If you teach your kids that they've got to win to matter, they will never get Jesus. They'll only see him as a failure. I was tracking with him for a little while while he seemed to be gathering steam and got those crowds. The, the walking on the water, that was brilliant. That'll get traction with people. Uh, he, was, he was doing some really great stuff, but that, that death thing? Boy, he blew it there. Couldn't he have like struck down those, those Romans? Couldn't he have taken back charge and, and, and gotten some, uh, some respect? What's that all about? You teach your kids that they've got to win to matter and they'll see Jesus as a loser. They'll see his humility as weakness. And they'll never realize you don't find salvation by climbing up a ladder. We're taking our break from our regular series in 1 Timothy this morning with uh, family day for us, such a special uh, time this year. I thought it would be appropriate for us to take a break and uh, share a passage that uh, spoke to family and uh, dealt with some family issues. Uh, Today we're looking at what happens when a parent's ambition collides with Jesus's call to humility. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with uh, the learning channels uh, uh, a, a series that they came out with called uh, Toddlers and Tiaras. Uh, it first ba- aired back in 2009, and when it came out, it stirred up a little bit of controversy. Uh, people were a little bit of sh- shocked by some of the content, but it was a little bit like a train wreck. It was hard for people to look away, so they kept watching. And um, for instance, I mean... Just as the basic premise, it was a reality show that gave you a window into the world of children's beauty pageants. Um, people were up in arms when uh, there were, they aired one episode with a, uh, a mother who had her uh, six, six-year-old uh, daughter wear a padded bra so that she could look like a young Dolly Parton. Uh, there was some uh, more uh, scandal or uh, complaints to, the, to the, uh, uh, the show's producers when in another episode, a mother had her three-year-old daughter uh, dressed like Julia Roberts' prostitute character from Pretty Woman. And there were, there were different kinds of things that people were, uh, were, were struggling with in terms of the content and what it said about um, our values as a society and what uh, parents were we're doing. Uh, the show introduced people to a world where parents pay for professional makeup artists, uh, where they will pay in some cases up to $8,000 for an award-winning dress. Uh, they had one family that admitted to have heavy, having spent $70,000 on their five-year-old daughter's beauty pageant career. And we can easily look at that. I'm, 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 I haven't heard from any of you that you have, uh, have uh, spent that kind of money on your, your, your child's uh, beauty pageant uh, uh, dreams so far. And it's so, so it's easy to look at other people's values and say, wow, those are wildly inappropriate. But it, it makes us question our own. It makes us ask, what, are we, what, are we, what kind of values are we instilling in our children? 
Uh, what kind of dreams do we have for them? And what do those dreams say about what life is all about, what's important, and uh, what we should be aiming at? And I guess at, at the same time, uh, probably when you are in a particular uh, uh, movement of people, a group of people, it's difficult to question your own values. Maybe difficult for you even to, to if, if I were to ask you, what values do you think you are communicating to your children? Or even if you don't have children, what, what values are really driving the day-to-day decisions of your life? You'd probably be hard-pressed to, hard to, to define what those really were. And so uh, this morning, we're trying to ask those questions about our own values, uh, what is important to us, what are the things that we're prioritizing And we're asking to be taught by Jesus as well that we might have a better sense of his plan for our lives, his plan for uh, what he would seek to do uh, in and through us. Uh, To to answer those questions, I ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Uh, I'll be reading from verses 20 down to 28 in the Black Church Bibles in the rack under the seat in front of you. It's on page 775. Matthew 20, verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared for my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God. And the first takeaway from this passage is that a parents can often... Uh, push their children up the wrong ladder. That, that parents can be dedicated, they can be hardworking, they can be faithful in many ways, but if the, the direction of that hard work and dedication is in the wrong direction, it can actually do quite a lot of damage. Parents often send their children up the wrong ladder. Now, let me first introduce you to the mother in our story, because it's... It, it's helpful to know a little bit about her. Uh, She's mentioned here, but also again with Mary Magdalene in Matthew 27, 56. There, she's one of the women who followed Jesus to the cross. She is watching him die on the cross. So this is not somewhat some random person that just shows up in the crowd and walks away. She has been and will be steadily tracking with Jesus, one of those faithful women who are at his side, uh, supporting uh, and uh, following and learning from him. In Mark's gospel, she's named Salome. 
and she appears at the tomb on Easter Sunday. Scholars actually believe that she is the same woman referred to by John as Mary's sister, as in Mary, the mother of Jesus' sister. And uh, the reason all of that is significant, it means that, that uh, on, on Mary's side, she is Jesus' aunt, and that uh, James and John here are his uh, cousins on Mary's side. So this is a woman coming with family connections, looking to gain some advantage for her sons, looking for an opportunity for them. James and John, if you don't know, uh, they, uh, they are uh, a part of the inner, inner circle. Uh, they were among the first disciples called. There too, along with Peter, who were invited, not of the, the entire 12 didn't get this privilege. Only these three, the two plus Peter, were invited up on the mount where Jesus was transfigured before them. They saw all of his glory. Uh, these are... They're, they're right at the inner circle. But if we could be completely honest, if you were going to host a wedding and you needed an MC, which one of the disciples would you pick? You'd go for Peter, right? He's a more natural leader. He, he's, he's the one who always steps forward as a spokesperson for the group. And so if anyone is going to be sitting at the right hand of Jesus, if anyone is going to be uh, given the, you know, the... The, the leadership position, it's going to go to Peter. But Salome thinks, I'm, I'm going to find a way to help my children get ahead. And she, she's doing that out of, out of love for her children. She wants the best for them. And, and she is determined to help them get ahead, to get what she feels uh, they, they, they can with her help. And so she comes before Jesus. In verse 21, she's kneeling before him. She is pleading her case formally, urgently, even desperately. And when Jesus asks her what she wants, she's got her case. She's, she's planned what she's going to ask. She is, has, has been strategizing on behalf of her children, and now she's, gonna, she's got her opportunity. She's going to press for, for a decision. She says, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Now, notice that Salome isn't on the fence about Jesus. She knows this is the Messiah King. She believes that he is building and establishing the kingdom of God. And she, she believes that, that, that Jesus... He, he, he's going to, to do these things and I need to secure a position now for my sons so that uh, they will be taken care of. She believes that a lot of good things about Jesus and in many senses, her theology, her understanding about Jesus is correct, but the values that are directing her life and particularly her parenting are off track. She has, uh, she's, she's got some, some things wrong there. She's following Jesus, but where her children are concerned, she's following the world. She's influenced by the world's values. And so I think it's important that we reflect on our own values. If you, you would say, I believe these things about Jesus, but maybe those things haven't filtered down into 
how you see the world, how you see your children, how you see your, uh, your priorities and what you emphasize. Jesus asked Salome in verse 21, what do you want? How would you answer that question? If you're the one who is bowing before Jesus and he gives you an opportunity, um, what are you asking for for your children? What are you asking for for yourself? What, what is it that, that you would most want him to grant in your life? Do you want your kids to be the ones who get all the attention? Do you want, as she did, status? I want them to be right up at the top. I'm, we're not, I'm not, it wouldn't be good enough for them to be behind Peter. We want them, I want them to be ahead of him. Do you want, do you want your, your, your children to be the ones who, uh, for, about whom you can brag about their resume? Do you want riches for them? Do you want attention for them? Uh, do you want what Jesus wants for your kids? Or do you think that maybe you've got a better idea? That, that you have a vision for your children that you kind of don't want Jesus to mess with because you've kind of got things figured out. You can work very hard to help your children climb the ladder only to realize perhaps far too long along the way that it was the wrong ladder you were helping them to climb. We got a picture of this back in 2019 with the Varsity Blues, can, blues scandal. Uh, you know what happened. Some uh, 30 parents were, uh, were charged with uh, totaling $25 million in bribes to get their children into elite universities. Uh, Sarah Lock, uh, Lori Lachlan and her husband were among the most famous. They had their, their daughters pose in, in uh, rowing costumes and had uh, paid half a million dollars to have a, uh, a coach claim that they were elite athletes so that they could get into USC. The, the ironic thing is that, that she wanted an education for her children, and she wanted to set them up for a life of success and blessing. And yet in the process, she was teaching them to lie, to cheat, and to use money to give them privilege that they, she didn't think they deserved. And so she was, in a sense, giving them an education, but it was a very uh, toxic uh, education. She was communicating things to them that would uh, have an impact uh, negatively in their lives. And so I think we need to stop and consider what ladder are we helping our children to climb? What are we prioritizing? What are we aiming at? What are you aiming at in your life? And to what extent has, does that goal, does that dream, is it influenced by Jesus? Is it shaped by him? Or to what extent is it really just like everybody else in the world is uh, the kinds of things that they're aiming at? Has your belief in Jesus Christ affected your priorities, your values, your dreams, your goals? Working hard to help your child climb the wrong ladder only ends up hurting them. So our, our first takeaway from this passage, parents often help their children up the wrong ladder. The second 
takeaway, though, is this. Helping children up the wrong ladder fuels pride, envy, and condescension. That there are actually consequences. There are just natural results of sending your child up the wrong ladder. So this is not a pastor or a Bible passage saying, don't do this, God doesn't like it. This is a warning from a loving God who says, this is kind of how the world works. Don't go down this path because it's, very, it's a dangerous path. You love your kids, don't do this to them. Because it just, this is not helpful. This is something that God is graciously warning us about. Helping children up the wrong ladder fuels pride, envy, and condescension. Now, when Salome asked for the top spot for her two sons, I picture Jesus just kind of sighing and, and shaking his head. In verse 22, he responds, you do not know what you're asking. You, you've, you've, you've got this wrong. You're, you're, you're confused right now. This isn't, this isn't helpful. And then he says to the, to the two sons, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? His point is, she doesn't get it. She, she is, uh, at this point, still seeing Jesus as a rising star. She still uh, assumes that his aim is power and popularity and influence. And she sees that's Jesus' goal, and I think he's going to get there. So when he gets there, I want my sons to be right next to him because that's what I want too. So she hasn't, she hasn't really gotten Jesus yet, hasn't really come to understand him. When he asks here, uh, asks James and John, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Uh, he's using a, a term that is used throughout the Old Testament. Drinking the cup often refers to facing your destiny, whether it means for blessing or often for judgment. Are you able, you, you say that you want this thing, are you able to walk through what it's going to take to get there? Are you able to, to follow this path? Because I'm not sure you really understand what this path is all about that I'm walking on. In verses 18 to 19, he's just finished telling them that he'll be mocked, flogged, crucified. And so uh, essentially he's saying to these sons, like, this is the path that I'm going to take. Is that what you're signing up for? Are are you, when you you say that you want to be on my left and right hand side, are you hoping to take the the two crosses beside me? Is that what what, what your, your goal or your dream is? Now, there are a couple of different ways to take the response of Solomon's sons in verse 22. They say, we are able. And and viewed generously, that could mean they're saying, we understand how hard it'll be, but we're trusting in in God's good plan, and we're we're relying on his strength, and we believe that God will carry us through. That, That could be what they're saying. But given how clueless they have been up until this point, it's more likely that they're saying, sure, sure, we can do that. Uh, Floggings, beatings, dying on a cross, no problem, we've got it. Whatever it is, we can handle it. When your mom's a helicopter parent and intervenes to smooth every wrinkle in your rise to the top, 
you develop arrogance, not confidence. There, those are different, right? You learn to uh, you learn to underestimate the obstacles because your parents always help you avoid them. It, you it, you learn to overestimate your abilities because, frankly, you've never had to face failure or difficulty or problems. There's always mom to kind of navigate around those, to steer you out of harm's way. Now, the fact is that James did end up being uh, killed as the first, he was the first apostle who was killed. Not the first martyr, that was Stephen, but he was the first of the 12 uh, who was killed for his faith. King Herod had him killed with a sword. Uh, John, on the other hand, he was the longest to live of the apostles, but he was sent into exile on the island of Patmos and lived his life in isolation and uh, the exile of, of just having been deemed an outcast. And the problem is, Salome's values, Salome's dreams for her kids, uh, the, 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 the vision that was guiding her interaction with them, her helicopter parenting, none of that was preparing them for what they would face. None of that was helping them, helping to prepare them for a life that Jesus would uh, call them to. And so they were going to be left unprepared. They would have to unlearn values that they had learned as children. They would have to learn to rely on the Lord, not on their own strength. They would have to learn true confidence in the Lord, not arrogance about their own abilities. So by all means, help your children develop confidence. Just Teach them how to face difficulty, not just how to avoid it. And teach them to be confident in God's strength, not just arrogant about their own strength. As it says in Romans 12, 16, do not be haughty, never be wise in your own sight. Now, that, that's one thing that, that you've got to deal with, uh, one of the consequences that you see here, uh, but, but, but there are others. When you help your children up the wrong ladder, it messes with their relationships as well. They begin to see people in an unhelpful way. Uh, you, you, can, you can probably uh, guess what's going to happen when uh, the mother comes and tries to get first and second spot for her, for her kids, right? People aren't going to like that. The other disciples aren't going to warm up to that. She is teaching uh, her sons to see other people as rivals to beat rather than neighbors to love. And so hear how the, how the other disciples respond to, to her power play. Verse 24 describes how they reacted. It says, and when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. That's what happens. Those are just natural consequences of teaching your children superiority instead of excellence. That's, that's what happens when you emphasize winning over glorifying God. You teach your children relationships just aren't that important. You might have to step on some heads to get ahead. You, you might, you know, don't, don't, 
we're not going to worry so much about how other people think. What matters is you getting to the top. That's going to affect relationships for a lifetime. Those values, when they're embedded early in a person's life, they're they're hard to unlodge, hard, hard to undo. Is it possible you're doing that? Is it possible you could be fostering envy and rivalry? Not because you're teaching those things, but it's a natural consequence of emphasizing being number one, being at the top, beating the others. What are the values that you're, you're sharing? Are you teaching your kids to see, the, see other people just as a means to an end? Teaching them to, to uh, see people as competition rather than as people to love and lift up. Now, Jesus addresses another area to watch for in your parenting in verse 25. He says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. If you make being number one, being the top, the goal for your children, you're setting them up to push others down. As I read that, did you notice it, with, there's two verbs that happen in parallel, and in each of them it says, over them, over them. So they will lord it over them. They exercise authority over them. There's a Greek word that's repeated twice in this, in this verse that has this emphasis on pushing down on people. That, that's how you begin to see the world and see the people in your life when you have this, this vision of, uh, of, of life and goals and priorities. And the idea is that the way the world handles power and influence is to guard what you got, keep others down. Now, that's, that's what we hate about how the world is, Right? No, every, we hear that all the time. That, that kind of commentary on the evils of our society is everywhere. We hate it when the people at the top push others down to hold on to what they've got. That, that we call that oppression. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that is the world's vision for their lives. Get to the top, whatever you can do, And once you get there, you hold people down, you look down on others, and hold on to what you've got. And I think all of you would say, well, Paul, of course, I haven't taught that to my children. Who do you think I am? And of course, you haven't taught that to your children. I haven't taught that to my children either. But that's not Jesus' point. He's saying, if this is your vision of the world, if you are, are... are spending $8,000 on a dress for the beauty pageant, you aren't at the same time teaching humility and contentment, right? That's just not possible. And and so what we're saying is these are natural consequences of a vision and a worldview that sees getting to the top as the goal of everything. And it makes us question, what what are the... the, the messages that we're sending to our children. I don't think any of us want to do any of these things. Nobody sets out to make 
pride, proudful, uh, uh, competitive, condescending children. We, we love our children. We don't want to do that. Nobody, nobody intends to do these things. And, and nobody intends to set out, I'm going to make them the number one, you know. We, we don't intend to do those things, but often, if we're not intentional about it, we absorb the, cult- the culture's values around us, and we find ourselves doing these things because we want them to get up some ladder, and this is the only ladder we know. And if that's you this morning, I would say, Jesus has a different ladder. There is a different way. And the goal here is not to make you feel guilty or bad as a parent or as an individual. This is the world we live in, and it's natural that we have absorbed some of the world's messed up values. But the message is that Jesus has a different way. And that's the final takeaway from our passage, just this. Jesus' ladder is the one that you traveled down to help others up. That, that Jesus gives us a vision of greatness, but it's a vision of greatness demonstrated in humility. It's demonstrated in serving others and sacrificing for them. And it is perfectly and supremely illustrated in the life that he lived and the death that he died. Jesus' ladder is the one you travel down to help others up. Now, after laying out this, this vision of greatness, it's all about keeping others down and, and holding on to what you've got, making the goal all about your own privilege, all about your own power, all, all about your, your own uh, stuff and keeping it to yourself. Jesus says in verse 26, I know that's the way it is. It shall not be so among you. It's not okay for my followers. It's not okay for a Christian CEO, not okay for a Christian uh, police officer, for a Christian pastor, not okay for a Christian ministry leader, not okay for a Christian parent. This, the, this world's view of ambition, it has no place among the people of God. And so in verse 26 and 27, Jesus is going to lay out his plan. Uh, notice for a minute, uh, before we read it, notice that he is addressing people. He is training to be leaders. It's not like he's saying, it doesn't matter, whatever. You know, he, he, is, he is investing in people that he believes has the, have the potential to lead, have the calling to lead. Uh, he, 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 he is going to teach them some things about, about life and leadership. Uh, but while he is doing that, he, he, was, he is going to make it clear, if your vision of leadership is a me first thing, where it's all about you, that's just not okay among his followers. So he says this, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. He deliberately chose the two occupations, not only in first century Roman culture, but let's face it, in any any other era or culture since, the two occupations that no parent ever dreams of for their child. Nobody says, oh, when my child grows up, I hope they become a slave. 
Like he was speaking at a time where everybody in society was, was, was looking for how do we get out of this? How do we lift our children out of slavery, out of servitude? How do we help them out of poverty? One third of the Roman Empire were slaves at this time. This wasn't like some, some minor pocket of, uh, of society. Everybody is thinking, how do we get out of these, these, these roles and how do we stay out of these roles? How do I keep my children from ending up as slaves? How do we keep them from being servants? Jesus deliberately takes those uh, two, two, two occupations and, and, and wants to put a, put, a, put a spotlight on them. Salome had turned to helicopter parenting to make sure that her kids would finish on top. They would never have to worry about being anybody's servant. And Jesus say, was saying, my ladder goes all the way to the bottom. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to be a garbage collector. But what it does mean is that whatever role you have in society, God has called you to be a servant. He has called you to make whatever position, whatever you have been given, and use it for good, use it for others. It's not about you. You aim for a life of sacrifice, not privilege. You make it about other people called to live like a servant. And that's because there is a greater king that you serve. And it is his, his pleasure is what, what drives us. It is a gratefulness for his reign in our lives that motivates us. And those things are real and driving forces. Can you see how a vision like this could liberate a person? Could liberate a child? It frees a child from the burden of having to win and lets them aim for faithfulness and excellence instead. It helps a child see others as people to love, not rivals to beat. It brings humility to, her, to those who are raised to positions of high authority. And it brings dignity to those who are in positions that the world would otherwise look down on. I want that vision for myself. Want that vision for my kids. Want that vision for you. And yet there's actually a more important reason that I share it with you. And I'm, there's actually a more important reason that I think this passage communicates these truths and these values. Did you catch the last verse in the passage I read for you? See verse 28? It's a punchline of sorts, but it's not the punchline any of us were expecting. We were absorbed in this exchange between a mother and Jesus about her sons. We were thinking about family. We were thinking about right values and, and how we're raising our kids and what we're aiming for in life. We were kind of all caught up in that. And then right at the end, Jesus changed, seemed to change the subject. What's that all about? He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the only conversation in the Gospels where Jesus speaks of giving his life as a ransom for many. It's, this, 
This exchange between him and Salome appears twice here and in Mark's gospel. It's the only time he uses the word ransom. The only time where he's, he, he uses that term, and he uses that term to describe the purpose of his death. He's talking about how he'll bring salvation to the world. He will sacrifice his life for others the way that a slave does. He's explaining how he faced death so that we could receive life. He chose to lose so that we could win. And maybe you think, well, that's a nice thought. Always nice to end with Jesus. But what on earth does that have to do with the rest of the passage? Why do we get in this talk about why Jesus died and, and, and ransom stuff? And what's that all about? No, it's just this. If you teach your kids that they've got to win to matter, they will never get Jesus. They'll only see him as a failure. I was tracking with him for a little while while he seemed to be gathering steam and got those crowds. The, the walking on the water, that was brilliant. That, that'll, that'll get traction with people. Uh, he, was, he was doing some really great stuff, but that, that death thing, boy, he blew it there. Uh, couldn't he have, couldn't he have like, struck down those, those Romans? Couldn't he have lashed back at the crowds? Couldn't he have taken back charge and, and, and gotten some, uh, some respect? What's that all about? You teach your kids that they've got to win to matter and they'll see Jesus as a loser. They'll see his humility as weakness. And they'll never realize you don't find salvation by climbing up a ladder. That's, that's not where the answer is. The thing is, you can send your child to Sunday school, you can bring them to church, you can read them the Bible, but if your values and your priorities are telling them the exact opposite message that they're hearing from Scripture, it'll always disconnect. It'll always feel like, this isn't real. This doesn't have anything to do with real life. This is not what my parents are into. Like they're into it for about an hour on a Sunday, but the rest of their lives are dedicated to something totally different. I think Jesus is out to lunch. And that, that's a natural conclusion you draw, right? So I need to ask whether you've really grasped what Jesus is saying here. Have you given up trying to climb a ladder to earn God's acceptance as a reward? That's, that's critical, right? Do you see how Jesus climbed down the ladder to give you a prize that only he deserved? That is the message of the gospel. Have you humbled yourself before him and given your life to him as a servant? I gladly become a servant for you because you became a servant to set me free. That's the exchange, right? That is the invitation of the gospel. That's a path of life, and if, if that's not a path that you have uh, turned to, then I want to invite you to turn to that path. 
But if you said to me, Paul, I understand all that. If, if you get all of that and you trust Jesus like that, then all I would say is don't trust Jesus like that the way Salome did. Because Salome got that where Jesus was concerned. She just didn't get it where the rest of her life was concerned. She didn't get it where her kids were concerned. Don't see Jesus climbing down the ladder to offer you salvation on Sunday and then teach your kids to climb up a totally different ladder on Monday. Doesn't work. Confuses them. It, it, it makes a mess of both of those pursuits. And there's too much at stake for that. What Jesus wants for you, what Jesus wants for your kids, is so much greater than that. He gives us a vision and he calls us to it. He lived it out before us and he invites us to follow. Let's look to him now in prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, would you give us eyes to see our hearts as you do? Help us to see the values that are really driving us. Help us to see the priorities and to see them in light of your word and in light of the life and the death of Jesus Christ. Father, fill us with wonder at how Jesus became a servant for our sake. Bring people to receive this incredible salvation. But help them to see that it doesn't come at the top of a ladder that we climb up through our religion, through our good works, through our discipline. Help us to see that it's a gift that comes through faith. And Father, make servants of us. Teach us humility. Teach us sacrifice. Teach us to be servants. And bless our children with vision of greatness that leads them in love, not in competition. For we ask you in Jesus' name.